Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And with me in the studio this week is an absolute ledge by the name of Tony Kerr. Uh, Happy New Year, Tony. Thanks. How's it going this week? Uh, it's not too bad, actually. Yeah, it's pretty chilled all around. It's Friday night, isn't it? It is. It's Friday, Friday. Got to get down on Friday, <laughs> in the words of Rebecca Black. Obviously buzzing for a Friday night episode. Which begs the question, what are we doing in here? I don't know how you've managed it. You've, you've <laughs> kind of duped me somehow. You've lured me out. Oh, it's a party down at the... Uh, down the old studios. Like, great. You're remember. like, oh, that seems a bit odd. It yeah. seems odd that they're throwing a party in the studio where we record the podcast. Yeah. Are you going out after this? Or? No, no, no. What? This is fun, actually. This is this is fun. Captain Party Tony Kerr isn't going out. I've necked a, a few before, though. You've necked a few. Next few frubes, that is. Had a few frubes. A few J2Os. <laughs> I've told you this story of my friend yeah, at university. Yeah, yeah. The very first. Have I told this on the podcast? Probably. Like pretty much, I don't think we've got any stories left anymore like, <laughs> after all this time. Pretty much the first night of university, when you're just meeting everyone, and this guy came over, he was obviously pretty keen to, to impress people. We were at the bar, uh, and he went off to the bar and came back with a load of drinks for everybody, and he'd bought three J2Os for himself. <laughs> he had a straw in each one. He plunked them down on the bar, and then one after another, he just strapedoed each one, slammed them down. I was like, right, that should get things started. And I was like, uh, you know there's no alcohol in those? He's like, what? I've just spent seven quid. Oh, those are the days, isn't it? Seven quid. Seven quid for three days. Ripped off. Different vibe on a Friday. Party vibe. It just feels different, doesn't it? Everyone feels... Everyone, <laughs> everyone in the studio just beaming. The producer's having a great time. Everyone's necking froobs left, right and centre. Uh, Pass us a froob. I'm surprised you're not out meeting up with one or more of your Tinder matches, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, now, what is Tinder, Tone? Huh? Well, no, it's just the thing, isn't huh? it? Huh? What? It's just a thing. Hey, what, what kind of thing? Have you not got it? I haven't got it. You're way behind. It's way a, behind. It's, no, it's an just app, it's an isn't app, it? isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those apps. Have you heard of Twitter? Yeah, I've heard of Twitter, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's like that. Well, it sounds similar, doesn't it? Twitter, it, yeah. Tinder. Uh, no, it's just an app, isn't it? It's an app for what, social, meeting people. Social app. Meeting prospective dates. Well, yeah. Chat. You don't want to talk about this, <laughs> no, do you? Really. You did say this, you're like, oh, I'll, just, you're like no, I'll just give you some chat about Tinder. Yeah. I oh, haven't really got any chat. Well, because I saw you were talking about Tinder, or somehow it came up that you had Tinder on your phone, and I was like, are you on Tinder? And you were like, it's not really something you can be on. I was like, <laughs> well, it is. Because, like, for example, I'm not on Tinder. Yeah. And you are on Tinder. I, don't, I think you've misunderstood it, though. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really require much effort. It's not like... It's well, you have to download it from the yeah, app yeah, store, yeah. You have to download it, yeah. And then it's just there. And what happens if it comes up with 
pictures just crazy of people, people in your in your vicinity. What do you do? Swipe left if you're not interested. Yeah, yeah you've used it. Swipe you right. You know if you a lot are. about this app. Well, I, I did some uh, did some research. Did some research after I saw that you yeah. were on it. Yeah, you uh, basically just kind of I don't know, just mess about, and then. Uh, I'm not going to sell Tinder to the uh, to our listenership. We were talking about it we were, when we were at the quiz the other night. Yeah, we were talking about it, and you were you were showing the app to people, but you were extremely reluctant to show me your profile. Well, because you haven't really got a profile. That's the point. But again, though, you do. I mean, you do. Yeah. But you, but it's not really a profile. It's just your profile pic from Facebook. That's it, really. Well, you did. And it's also got. <laughs> you did eventually show me because there's a little like. And there's a bio, but she's also my Facebook bio. But because on Facebook, you know, when you set Facebook up. Yeah. And when you set it up, when we set it up, uh, whatever it is, like eight, nine years ago now. When we set it when up. When yeah. you, like, you couldn't do anything on Facebook apart from have a profile. Yeah. So people would not me because I wasn't I'm not a douchebag, but people would like f- like you, people would fill their profile with like quotes and all this <laughs> other kind of things and like all this stuff that they like. Fifteen favorite quotes. <laughs> The inaudible whispers from Lost in Translation. <laughs> One of my favourite quotes. But then, uh, you know, there's obviously like an about, or kind of about bit. And I'd obviously put this in at some point. This is an iTunes review of the World Cricket Show. So this is on Tinder. So this is it? on my Tinder, which I didn't really notice. So this is the one line that, that describes me. Girls that might be interested in you see. Yeah. They see a picture of you and they see this line. They see a really good picture of me and then they see that I'm 27, I'm getting over the hill. That's the first <laughs> thing that's going to put them off. Uh, and then they see about Tony. America's most important cultural import from Britain since Benny Hill. <laughs> now that's an iTunes review for the podcast, yeah. isn't it? The thing is, it would probably be more off-putting if I then put review of my cricket podcast on <laughs> iTunes. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. But uh, Fans you know, of my cricket podcast would say... Yeah. <laughs> but That's misleading, though, Tony. Well, I, mean, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things there. I mean, do they think I'm American, for one? Is that that might boost that you know? No, be good. Well, not not if they're well. I don't not think we're living in America. Idiot, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's an import from yeah. Britain. But do they know who Benny Hill is? Do I know well, who Benny Hill is? Really? <laughs> is Benny Hill something that you want to be in any way associated with? No, but if people do take that to be a positive, just just the, just the idea that you're the most important cultural import, I think that's misleading because unless you're going to bring me along on some of these days, <laughs> I think these girls are going to be pretty disappointed. Yeah. Oh dear. I might have to change that and come up with something better. Have you, have you had any matches yet? No, oh, mate, inundated. Yeah? Inundated. But you did set the radius to, what, the about 1,000 kilometres? 3,000 miles, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Managed, managed to find five matches. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. No, well, you know, if you've been lucky enough to be matched with me, you wouldn't even know it unless you read that and are now listening to this. So that's another thing for me to say at the end of the show now, isn't it? Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. You can find Tony on <laughs> Tinder. If you just keep swiping. Perhaps I should change my profile pic to the World Creek Show logo. You know, because people obviously wouldn't know what I look like, really. So they'd come across the World Creek Show logo and then they'd be like, boom, like, and then you can talk to me. <laughs> if I like you. <laughs> if you're a girl as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I knew about it. Either. I knew you were using the podcast to meet women. <laughs> I, I bloody knew it. Right. What's coming up on the show today? Uh, breaking news, Tone. Andy Flowers gone. <laughs> breaking news, days after a break. <laughs> Everyone, stop what you're doing. We've got some breaking news to bring you. Andy Flower has gone. That's happened today, Friday. As I say, we are recording on a Friday because it. What yesterday was Thursday. Is that right? Today is Friday, and then Saturday comes afterwards. So yeah, so that happened today. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. After that, we're going to be taking one final trip down under to discuss the limited overs games. 
So there's lots to talk about tonight. I mean, after we promised that we were going to start to get less England-centric <laughs> on this show, uh, we're now about to deliver one of the most England-centric episodes to date, I would suggest. Things just overtake us, though, don't they? We, we try. Are you happy with this, Tony? Are you happy with the state of the podcast at the moment? I think there are a few things that you know maybe need changing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's really two things you can change in the podcast, <laughs> me or you. Uh, so, yeah. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. We've actually got Matt Baker outside <laughs> waiting to come in. He's just not sure who he's replacing yet. <laughs> Listeners, vote it's now. Exciting. Who goes, you decide. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. Where have all the flowers gone, Tone? Where have all the flowers gone? I saw that on Twitter earlier. You stole that from someone? <laughs> is it already on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, it's all out there. Everything with, he says. <laughs> I can't come up with anything original anymore. But that guy died this week, didn't he? Pete yeah. Seeger. You wrote that song? Where have all the flowers gone? That oh, one. God. You know it? Yeah. Do you want me to sing it a, a bit more of it? Definitely not. That singer died this week, and more pertinent perhaps to this podcast, Andy Flower has left his post as England team director. There seems to be a bit of confusion over whether he jumped or was pushed. Uh, the initial story was that he'd been sacked by Paul Downton, who's come in as the new kind of head honcho of England cricket. Crick Info and The Guardian, as of this moment, are continuing to report that, but some other media outlets are now saying that Flower actually resigned. Um, yeah, there was a bit of confusion there. I think that it was The Telegraph, wasn't it, that broke it? Yeah. Or that came, plucked out of thin air? London correspondent Gordon McRae was just pipped to the story. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to break it for us, but uh, but The Telegraph got there first. We'll find out, I imagine, in due course. Well, from what I can make out from reading everything about it, it seems like he resigned. But given that just a few weeks ago he stated pretty emphatically that he wanted to carry on, it seems fairly unlikely, I would suggest, that there wasn't at least some kind of polite invitation for him to leave. I mean, it, it might be that, you know, when like a an army general... Would, this is a bit dark, I guess, but, you know, when they, they just like leave the revolver on the table and then quietly... Step out. Dark. I'm just reading a book about that. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a, a, a historical novel, but uh, but it's that yeah. kind of thing, isn't it? I think he's resigned, but they kind of lent on him to resign, perhaps. Yeah, uh, I mean, when he when he made that statement, what you know, what was that three or four weeks ago? Well, probably less to be honest. Two and, three, and a half, two and three. three weeks ago. It has it has got worse since then. Remarkably. Yes, but but not for him. I mean, it, no. it's Ashley Giles who's in charge of the limited overs team. But I think probably the appetite of the public perhaps has changed. Are you sad to see him go? End of an era? Yeah, yeah I have to say I am. I, you know, I did see someone, I can't remember who it was now, so I don't know, you know it's, this is pointless probably. Uh, there was a tweet earlier from someone saying, oh, it's, it's in his character to have left, to have made the decision himself. <laughs> do, you, do you know who that was? No, I can't remember, sure. it was probably like Vaughan or someone. But it's like, you know, it's just like Andy to, to take the decision on his, on his, you know, on his shoulders. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely sad to see him go. I, I, I admire him. You do really like Andy Flower, He'd get, I'd like him on Tinder if he popped into my <laughs> Swipe right. screen. Swipe uh, right. You know, you can't say he hasn't been successful for England. It's, it's a really sad way for him to go. I don't, you know, it's been an awful three months. But, yeah, he's been, he's been exceptional. And he's a very engaging character, seemingly very smart guy. You know, and there's a lot to respect about him. Yeah, he deserves a better ending than this, doesn't he? Quickly, before coming here, read uh, George DeBell's article on Crick Info. And he said, uh, much like politics, all sporting careers end in failure. But that's not actually true, is it? Like a, Some of them do, uh, but a lot of sporting careers end in success. I mean, if Flower could well have chosen to step down 
after the tour of India, for example, on, on a real high. It's it's a real shame that it that it's come to this. In retrospect, it's pretty obvious that he did go on too long. I know that after the test series, you said that you you wanted him to continue, that you thought he was the right man to uh, to turn it around. But for me, I did want him to go. I think this is the right thing for English cricket because the the whitewash that has just happened it is an earthquake in uh, in cricketing terms. It it would be lunacy if the people in charge weren't taking stock of everything in the aftermath if they weren't conducting you know what they like to call a review of the Rooting branch of uh, a written branch investigation the, of the whole team of all the senior posts in the team as we said last week when we were talking about alistair cook and the captaincy people do want someone to blame don't they they want a head on this on a spike whether it be cook whether it be flower there is a feeling there has to be someone held accountable for this so from that point of view you can see why as you say the mood of the public is that they want flower to go but for me if it was just this series in isolation i would say let him sort it out he's you know he's got the record he's the right man to turn it around so for example when england got whitewashed in the uae clearly flower deserved the opportunity to stay on there because england were number one in the world at the time he'd had nothing but success up until this point but this series hasn't come completely out of the blue yes the scale of the defeat has been surprising but England haven't been the dominant team of 2011 since 2011. And in one of our sort of uh, post-match discussions, I used the word malaise. And I do think that's right. Like, th- th- there's been something not quite right about the England team for a little while. And brilliant though Andy Flower has been, and he has been magnificent, every coach has a shelf life. And it does just feel like a new cycle is beginning or a new cycle ought to begin and I'm not sure that a new cycle can begin with the same guy at the helm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just coming back to the, the point about whether careers can end successfully, you know, it's easy to forget when you kind of look at this, like, sport and stuff from a, from, a, from the sidelines. Sport and that. Sport and that. But, you know, it is, you know, it's Andy Fowler's job. So, you know, it's what he earns his money doing. He's not going to bow out after winning winning a test series. But, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll leave this job now and not have a job, you know. Admittedly, he could probably walk into any other. He could have walked into any other cricket board and said, "Give me a job," uh, and they probably would have given him one. But still, I think pretty valid just to go on until you until you're sacked, really, in sport. Yeah, perhaps. You know but I mean? I mean, it's the same thing with uh, players. Yeah, uh, coming towards again, the end of their it's career, their job. Like, so yeah, and a lot of players do. Why wouldn't they want to continue earning well, money? Like doing the thing that they presumably enjoy. Yeah, because, because they love it as well. Themselves. And we talked about this with Tendulkar, didn't we? And Tendulkar mm. played on too long and. Ponting played on too long, Hayden played on... Loads of people do play on too long, but then other people, you know, Jacques Callis, his career didn't end in failure. Pete Sampras's career didn't end in failure, ended with him winning the US Open. Like, not all sporting careers end in failure, and you'd, you'd say that Andy Flower deserves well, something this a bit better than this. Yeah, and this isn't a sporting career, though, is well, ending, is true, it? Yeah. So, it's a, it's a, a job within his career, isn't it? You know, it? He's, not, he's not particularly old, is he? He's only in his 40s. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it did seem like the England set up had become a bit messy and, and also you kind of get the feeling if Andy Flower as coach really is kind of at the top of the, the tree at the top of the pile or the, the kind of house of cards if you like then you know he's lost characters he's lost the, the kind of foundations of that that set if you like in many ways you know he's lost Trot he's lost Swan very recently lost Strauss as well in that sense, it was a really huge task for him to kind of start again, which is effectively no, what's that's going what to I mean. happen. It, so yeah, it may as well. It feels be a like change. this is going to be a new era. I mean, he said that as much as he said it felt like the end of an era for English cricket, and you know, I think it probably needs someone else to be in charge of that. I'd still say that he's the best coach in the world, and it sounds like he's going to have another job within 
England cricket, but if he were to go and coach another international side, I'd be very concerned about that or, or as an England be, fan. Uh, West Country come from there. <laughs> Did I uh, go West Country? I'd be. If he were to go and coach another international <laughs> side, I'd be worried about that. Uh, because, you know, I think he is the best in the world, but for whatever reason, his methods no longer seem to be having an effect on this team. And I think that's true for the batting coach and the bowling coach as well. And, and I hope that David Saker and Graham Gooch, Graham Gooch, <laughs> I don't know what's going on tonight. I hope that David Saker and Graham Gooch go as well. It's a shame. It's a real shame that Andy Flower has gone. And I do feel a, a profound sense of sadness. Uh, but there is for me, a sense of relief as well, because I, I think it's... Because it's an emotional day for you, isn't it? <laughs> I think You're overcome. I'm a bit sad about that, <laughs> but I think it's time for a change. Where, where does he go down for you in terms of England coaches? Is, is he the best that Well, England I mean, we had? can only really speak in the post-Atherton era, can't we? Yeah. Uh, and, and to be fair, England, the job of the coach only really crystallised into what it is now in the post-Atherton era. Yeah. So. Uh, There's not that many to... to argue about in terms of a, in terms of a person <laughs> you're not going to say bumble eh? it's, <laughs> it's really it's really flower or fletcher yeah i was in terms of a person a kind of personality and uh, and uh, uh someone to kind of listen to andy flower in terms of the side that duncan fletcher created and and i mean duncan fletcher the change that he enacted on kind of english cricket for me fletcher still you know from where he where he took england from and to and the the side and t- I mean two thousand five you know we could talk about that all day <laughs> yeah, and I uh, happily would yeah yeah you know that so that it's tough to beat that really at, at this stage you know, yeah it's going to take he a was, while he was probably more transformative Fletcher wasn't he in terms of where England were and where he left them Flower did inherit a pretty solid setup and <clears throat> that's that's something that's possibly not going to be talked about in the aftermath of of, of this move because people already are saying I'll oh, think about where England were when Flower took over and. They were in a bad place at that point because um, there'd been the whole Peterson-Moores debacle and England got bowled out for 51 in that first game in Jamaica. Yeah, Flower did inherit a bit of a mess at that point. But in terms of the underlying structures of English cricket, it was all there. We don't want to fall into the, the Harry Redknapp trap of, uh, you know, when Redknapp took the Tottenham job, they were what in the relegation zone. Forever after, years later, he's saying, well, I'll think about where we were when, when I took over. But it was about five games into the yeah. season and Tottenham had a great squad and a lot of money to spend. And while England were in a bad place when Flower took over at that precise moment, they had a lot going for them. And you could argue that they're actually in a worse place now than they were in 2009. So you could say that he leaves the team worse <laughs> off than when he started. But obviously in the intervening five years, there have been some remarkable highlights and oh. it's, it's, it's obviously been worth it. Yeah, I mean, some, some great highs. It is the kind of the remarkable collapse that's, that is, is as startling as anything, isn't it? The, the fact that it has all just fallen <laughs> apart so quickly. Uh, I mean, like we, yeah, we've talked about it before. Perhaps there were signs in the summer. It's kind of like the roller coaster where you're kind of just slowing down and then it just disappears off the off the end. But and, and before that as well, I mean, in New Zealand, to only scrape a nil-nil draw there, obviously they won in India and that's one of the great results in English history. But before that, they lost to South Africa. They got flattened in the UAE. You know, they they didn't have a great 2012 and they didn't have a great 2013. So, you know, it's been a couple of years since they were the the all conquering force that that became number one in the world. So you would say Fletcher was you know slightly better than Flower, is what you're saying? Yeah, I think you'd I think you'd have to say that. I think so. Yeah, I think you know in terms of the vision that Fletcher had and introducing things like central contracts 
as we say, he he probably transformed English cricket more. But then Flower took on what he'd done, improved it, and actually achieved better results even than Fletcher did. I mean, yes, 2005 is is the the great result in English cricket history, probably. But you know, Flower won three Ashes series. His team whitewashed India at home to go number one in the world. They won a series in India. They won a global limited overs title as well. They won the World 2020 in 2010. And that's the one and only time that an England side has ever done that. And that was at that, at that point, you kind of felt like England could do no wrong, really. That was, that was probably the pinnacle in many ways. So, it, so, is, yeah. that, is that the, the absolute highlight of the flower era for you? Possibly, yeah, possibly because it, you know, it was it was so different to what we'd seen in the previous post Atherton years. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, you know, and like you say, he, he inherited a, a decent setup, and he did he elevated that, he took it on higher, he built on the Fletcher foundation. So it's good, yeah, I think decent tenure. Well, <laughs> well done, Andy. So overall, you love him, don't you? The back. No, I think he's great. I can already see you frantically swiping through on Tinder trying to yeah, find him. Yeah, where is he? Andy, 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 Who takes over now? Obviously, Ashley Giles was uh, anointed as his uh, successor in waiting back in uh, 2012 when he was appointed coach of the Limited Overs teams. And he is the favourite with the bookies. And in a way, it would be quite bizarre if he didn't take over because you'd imagine they're going to want someone to, to be in control of all three sides. So unless Giles loses his job as well, you'd imagine it would have to be him. Yeah. Would it, you be happy with that? This probably directly contradicts something I said when, <laughs> when the appointments kind of were made. But I really <laughs> do feel like the same person should be in charge of all the team. I, it, it, cricket doesn't feel to me still like three different games. It is still the same game. So I, I do feel like there should be you know, one England coach. Possibly as well, one captain. I, I probably said completely, completely <laughs> the opposite thing at the time. I can't remember what you said. I mean, no, but, I, I, but the, it, yeah, the captain, it patently hasn't worked, I don't think. The captain, I think you can make an argument that it's okay to have a different captain in different formats. But yeah, I think the coach, uh, it was a bit of an experiment, this, wasn't it? And I think it, broadly speaking, it hasn't worked. I mean, it might not be Ashley Giles's fault, but I, it's definitely true that since Giles took over, the England limited oversides have lost their way really i mean yes they yeah. got to the champions trophy final which is a pretty decent result but i think um, as well I, whilst my opinion probably is that the same person should be in charge of all three sides you'd also probably say that the kind of the the test side going south and and also the limited of sides not doing so well you know that's not necessarily the fault of having two coaches you know it's coincidence possibly as well because you know whilst england have been absolutely humiliated again in the limited overs games uh in australia pretty tough probably to to come back from what had happened in the, the the few weeks before that so you know that was a tough gig to come in and try and start getting results but then again they haven't got results and their results have been bloody awful yeah i, I think the thing with having different coaches the, the problem with it is that it makes one day cricket seem like even more of a sideshow than it than it already was like it, it just clarifying that yes we do not take this as seriously because the guy that we want in charge of our test team you know, isn't in charge of of the one day team. To that extent, I think yeah, it's it's no surprise that you know perhaps there's been a bit less focus on the limited oversides than there used to be. And when Flower took over, that was a real big thing for him. It, it, he he really wanted to turn England's one day fortunes around, and it worked for quite a while. I mean, they had some great results. Got you know series wins in South Africa and and obviously won the World 2020 as well. So Flower came in and you know really made that a big priority. And you know you could argue that that helps improve the test team as well. So, you know, I, I think there probably needs to be more focus 
on the one-day team from England, and so there probably should be one coach for all three formats. You'd imagine, therefore, that it is going to be Ashley Giles. But, you know, the problem with that at this point is that he's part of the system, isn't he? He's part of the regime. He's inside the tent. And uh, the, I guess the plan all along was that Giles would sort of earn his chops as the... Uh, is that the expression? Earn his chops? <laughs> Could be. Could be. <laughs> Something to do with his chops um, as the limited overs coach. Cut his teeth. Cut his teeth, yeah. You know, everything would go really well and then there'd be a, a smooth transition from Flower to Giles... Dream on. As far as the test team is concerned, when both men were ready. But now that everything's gone wrong, giving Giles the job just doesn't seem to make, make sense, really. Because if, if what is needed is a, a break from the old ways, then surely Giles isn't your man. It's, been, it's, you know, yeah. it's like when Tony Blair stepped down and Gordon Brown took over. It's, you know, it's more of the same. Worse. Well, not, yeah, probably worse. Uh, I don't know. It's a good satire four years out of this. <laughs> yeah. Giles... Uh... Yeah, what he's done with England, it's kind of hard to gauge, really, isn't it? Because he has been under the shadow of, of, of Flower. So, you know, he was never the most inspirational cricketer, was he? You'd probably say he was. Well, I really liked him as a cricketer. I like him. Yeah, he, like he, him. Don't get me wrong. But he, he wasn't the way... Say a... Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Paul Collingwood picket was it? Well, he, he he didn't seem. I don't know really what he was. Kind of he just made up the numbers a bit, <laughs> and he did it very well. You know, and he was he was very successful. But that's how a lot of England cricket fans, I'm sure, will see him. Some cricket fans in England, like you, probably will say, "Oh, he, you know, he was he was actually a really good spinner, yeah. uh, and all this, and he could bat as well." Which, you know, which is true. But you know, I don't know. They'd say he's a really good spinner and all this. Yeah, and I would say that, but yeah, as a player, I really liked him. But yeah, he was certainly he was no Shane Warne, he was no Graham Swan. That, that, but, you know, that's not what you've got to be. But no, exactly. I, I think he seems like a really good man, and by all accounts, he he's a sensitive figure and he's a considerate figure, and he um, he knows how to get the best out of people. That's what people say about him, and consequently, I think he's a a, a very good coach. But whether he's the right man now, given that everything's gone wrong with this current regime. I don't know whether he would, whether Giles taking over will make the players think, oh, it's just more of the same, or whether they will think, oh, this is a new guy. You'd certainly have doubts, wouldn't you? I mean, the other options, there's possibly not many. I mean, Gary Kirsten has been touted, but the reason he's, he didn't want to be South Africa coach anymore is because he, he didn't want to be away from his family, and he'd be away from his family even more with England. So I think that's highly unlikely that he would take on that job. So... I mean, after that, who would it be? It, it could only be someone who's not really coached at international level or possibly people are talking about guys that haven't coached at any level like Paul Collingwood or Nasser Hussain. 
I saw Jason Gillespie's name mentioned, and he's doing a really good job with Yorkshire. Um, so he's one possibly viable candidate. But you know, I'd I'd be extremely surprised if they give it to anyone other than Ashley Giles. Time will tell. Thumbs up or thumbs down from Tony Kerr? <laughs> thumbs wobbling in the middle. <laughs> pointless limited overs matches that follow the Ashes. On this item, we discuss the pointless limited overs matches that follow the Ashes. Now, since last week's show, Tony, England have won a game in Australia. Several open-top bus parades later, how's your head? <laughs> I don't remember anything, to be honest. Yeah, it's remarkable. I next so many froobs I've only just taken that I can't remember anything. Off. However, since that win, they've managed to lose another three games. Yeah, they won the fourth ODI, reasonably convincingly actually, but then lost the fifth one, squandering what seemed like a, a pretty straightforward run chase. To Which they've l- done a couple of times. Really, yeah, now. yeah, to, to lose the one-day series 4-1. And actually, yeah, they, they, they should have won that final game. They should have won the second game. So you could make a case England <laughs> actually had the better of those five games, but obviously that's not how cricket works. Um, so yeah, they lost that series 4-1. As we're recording this, we've had two of the three 2020 games. The first game was relatively close. England got within, what, 14, 15 runs, thanks to some late sixes from Ravi Bopara. Uh, but <laughs> Against all the odds, and it, despite all the criticism, the barrage. Every time he walks into the bat, the, the poor lad's just got a barrage of criticism from you. He overcame that and, and played a pretty good innings, but it wasn't enough. England lost the that fastest first game. 50 from an England player in T20 history. Absolutely right, yeah. But it wasn't enough, crucially. Uh, and England lost that game and they got absolutely hammered in the second T20 today on Friday. Friday. Got to get down on There's Friday. There's quite remarkable stuff coming out of the camp. And when I say the camp, I mean Camp Bapara before the second T20, in which he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, as, uh, as there's kind of more pressure on me, I've, I've started to play better, uh, which I'm not quite sure is true. And he also said that, <laughs> going into the 2020 series, he thought the England batting lineup was so frightening that he struggled to see a way that they could actually lose a game in the, t- in the 2020 series. And given that they've now lost two and two, the second one was, I mean, just tragically, desperate. just tragically depressing. Absolutely desperate. Uh, you know, it's the usual suspects, isn't it? As well, friend of the show, Jade Dernbach, uh, with another virtuoso performance with the ball. What did he bowl today? Three overs, none for 42. I mean, I saw any number of people on Twitter today writing, well, that must be the last over that Jade Dernbach will ever bowl for England. But we've said that again and again and again. And I seriously think that he does have somewhere like a, a box in his attic. He's got a box of uh, incriminating photographs. of uh, like Magnuson from <laughs> yeah, like Magnuson from Sherlock. He goes into his mind palace <laughs> and he knows the pressure point of Ashley Giles. Hugh Morris and Charles Clark and everybody because it's crazy how bad he's been for such a long time but he continues to which is a shame because when he kind of burst onto the scene in all his tattooed glory you know he was the player he was like it was like oh suddenly England have got a bowler who can he's the modern 2020 bowler you know he can bowl six different deliveries in and over uh, and all this business you know he was quick he could bowl Yorker uh, and he's just doesn't really delivered. I mean, well, he still does that to be fair. He bowls the full toss. He goes <laughs> wide down the leg side. You know, it's always something different. But I've st- I've made this point before that I-, I think the reason England keep picking Jade Dernbach is because he's exactly the type of bowler that England's batsmen would find absolutely impossible <laughs> to deal with. What, so he's just and I'm blowing sure that in, in the, the nets, nets yeah, yeah, they cannot deal with his variations. But <laughs> Australia and all the other teams around the world have got no problem whatsoever 
he's rubbish. He is absolutely rubbish, and he shouldn't play for England anymore. I mean, you could make the same point about Ravi Bapara. Brilliant though he was in that first T20, as you say, the fastest ever 2020 international century from an England batsman. But he had a poor one-day series. He's played, I think, 100 ODIs now with one century in that time. That was against Ireland. Uh, He helped himself to six off 11 in the second T20. It's just, he's not good enough for me. I mean, actually, his bowling is pretty useful. <laughs> but as a batsman, he's just not I do like him as a guy, enough. though. No, I like this him as a guy. Yeah. I do like him as a guy, I really do. But he's just not good yeah, enough at, as a this, player. I mean, at this stage, you know, statistics have to kind of have to tell at some point, And they've really told. They've told the whole story. I mean, you could say the same thing about Luke Wright. He, he's a different player now than he used to be. So I'd still give him a bit more time because he's having a lot of success in domestic 2020 uh, but he's played you know 100 games for England in in the two formats and you know never really done anything he got what 99 in the world 2020 in 2012 but that's about it and he had a, a poor series here so yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of problems with the with both England limited oversize but particularly the 2020 side it would seem and you know that the world 2020 gets underway in Bangladesh in what two months time if you're a betting man which you are would you consider betting on England? Well, no, would you? And you wouldn't. And what's just annoying about it and kind of sad is that when it comes around, we will watch it, obviously. But I just don't want to watch England like limp to kind of 120-odd in their 20. It's just I'm not... That's not what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, so not much to look forward to there, I'm afraid. I suppose it's not too much of a surprise that England should lose these limited overs series. You know, after the, the mauling that they suffered in the Ashes... You know, whatever the state of their limited oversize before this tour, was it unrealistic to expect anything else from these? Yeah, I these think games? so. And, you know, going back to the Andy Flower thing, that was part of what made it so special uh, when they won the T20 World Cup is the fact that it, it was just something that England didn't do. And it, was, it seemed when T20 was created, invented, it was going to be something that England were never going to be kind of competing for already so that was that was very exciting so this is just kind of back to i don't know the natural way of things really no <laughs> well yeah i mean they were number one 2020, 2020 side in the world for a while but they're, they've they've lost their way a bit in the last couple of years and yeah they haven't been on a great run of form coming into this tour uh, and then after the the test series white was she felt that there's just gonna be no confidence in the camp whatsoever and and that is my feeling so i wasn't surprised to see this happen but then on the other hand england have won the th- the last three Ashes series before this one and Australia have won all of the limited over series after those test series and we said oh we well, can't expect anything else England have given it all they had in the test series they couldn't really be bothered with the one day series and now Australia have won the tests and yeah. I just think well England have got no confidence of course they were going to lose so I'm not sure that there's that, that is an excuse and actually talking about Australia We've talked a lot about uh, England's failings over the last couple of months. We've arguably talked too much about England's failings over the last couple of months. My psychiatrist has actually suggested that I take a break from talking about <laughs> England's failings over the last couple of months. Do you think that we've been shortchanging Australia, Tony? England have been so bad that they've kind of monopolised our attention, haven't they? But, but is that unfair on Australia? How, how good have they been across all three formats? How good have they been this Australian summer? Well, very, you'd probably say. I, yeah, I think we should kind of bank this discussion for when Australia have played another... You know, I don't want to, don't want to cop, you know, be a cop out here and kind of bail on the discussion, but I'd like to see Australia play another series before I make any judgments. I, they have been very good, and, you know, there are players in that 
you know, we, obviously we talked at length about the test series. You get the feeling that some of those performances, you know, they would have been able to replicate them against any team in the, in the world. So, that, you know, the way Australia came at England in that series, I think they probably would have won any series at that stage. Harder to say in the one-day stuff, uh, that, you know, they have been very good and there were some really exciting players in there that seem to be doing very well. Aaron Finch, for one. You can't, I don't know, you look at the players that have come out and say that, you know, the Big Bash League seems to be better, just seems to be better than the, the uh, English domestic T20 competition. So, yeah, it's kind of, it just seems like they've got a little bit of an advantage there. Yeah, and, and all of a sudden, there's a really good feeling around Australian cricket, isn't there? And, that, and that's an amazing turnaround from how things were, you know, even four months ago uh, when Australian cricket seemed to be in the doldrums. Uh, there is a real sense of confidence, a real sense of optimism coursing through the team and the country, from what we can tell uh, over yeah, here. Yeah, and you look at, you know, I think Ponting played his last match in the early testimony or something in, in Hobart uh, earlier the week or last week, isn't it? I think something like 17,000 watching that. I mean, would you get that in, in England? I don't know. Well, definitely not. But, you know, obviously cricket is always very popular in Australia, but the the, the feeling amongst the cricket-watching public does seem to be much more positive now than it has been for a very long time. But perhaps in hindsight, maybe they weren't as deeply in the doldrums as people thought, as we thought. Perhaps we all got a bit carried away with that 4-0 defeat in India, which is what everyone has, you know, was talking about when they were saying how bad Australia were. And that was an appalling series for them. But if you leave that aside, then actually over the last couple of years, they have been on more or less an upward curve you know, ever since Michael Clark took the captaincy, really, um, they've been extremely strong at home. They whitewashed India at home a couple of years ago. Even South Africa found it very hard to beat them at home. You know, they've they've had some great results. You know, hammered Sri Lanka at home. They won in Sri Lanka as well. So yeah, do you think maybe we just got a bit carried away? Do you think that everyone sort of underestimated Australia a bit? In hindsight, was it actually a pretty good result for England to beat them three 0 at home? Yeah, it's quite hard to gauge. Isn't it? There was a, yeah, potentially we did get uh, a bit high, didn't we, on in England's victories? But then again, there were close times in the summer series. But Australia didn't impress me that much. You know, I'm not going to change my tune on that. Uh, now, you know, I think England were deserved winners of that series. Yeah, I think really the truth is somewhere in the middle, isn't it? They're, yeah, they they weren't as bad as we thought in July. Um, but they're probably not as good now as they seem. I think you know England have made them look a better side than they are. I think their bowling attack is unbelievably good. You know, it's pretty close to being the best in the world. It's only just behind South Africa. They do seem to have found something, though. It, you know, sometimes somewhere between the first test in the summer and the first test in the winter, you know, things did change. You know, like Ashton Agar is now, has now disappeared off the face of the earth, it would seem. You know, Harry, like Harris is gonna one of the world's best bowlers. I don't know. They, they've suddenly, well, know, they, John, Johnson comes yeah. back in the side and uh, and is immediately the complete series winner, if 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 you like. So yeah, you know, a lot changed in a very short yeah, space. The of time. difference is that they worked out what their best team is, and it is amazing when you think about it that Australia's three match winners in this series were Haddon, Johnson, and Harris none of whom were in the team less than a year ago. Johnson and Harris didn't start the Ashes series in England. Uh, and, you know, that seems ridiculous in hindsight. And you think about that that team that did start that series in England, as you say, Ashton Agar, Ed Cowan, you know, they've had other players like Usman Kawaja that played in that series that now are nowhere near the team. So they, they, they settled on their best 11 and it's a good one. And they look a settled side and they, they look a strong side as well. And as I say, their, their, their bowling attack is world-class. The one 
big thing that could be said against them is that this isn't a young team. Like that there mm. is this kind of sense of renewal, the sense of optimism, a sense that this team has got a real bright future ahead of it. But actually, this is it hasn't, probably not a team with much of a future ahead of it at all because Chris Rogers is 36, Shane Watson is 32, Michael Clark is 32, Mitchell Johnson is 32, Ryan Harris is 34, Brad Haddon is 36. Seven of that 11 that played all through the series are over 30. Now, this is dad's army, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they have got problems coming up. I mean, Haddon particularly was just at the centre of everything. Was old. Yeah. <laughs> was old. Uh, it was at the centre of everything good they did over the winter. And as you said, it was old. Uh, you know, he, he can't have that much longer to go. As an England fan, you'd hope we don't see him again. Well, I'm sure they'll be around for a little while but, longer, but it's not, you know, we're talking one or two years rather than five, six, seven. Yeah. And as I say, yeah, the Harris, Johnson and Haddon weren't in the team a year ago. And the reason they weren't is because they were, you know, seen as... starting to fail. ...past it. Like, they, the way Australia settled on their best team was by going back to players that they'd abandoned so it's not going to last forever but at the moment you know they do look a very strong side it's going to be extremely interesting I think to see how they get on against South Africa they're going there for a three test series which actually starts incredibly soon the first test gets underway on the 12th of February the warm-up game is on the 5th so it's you know in five days do you think they could go to South Africa and turn them over well I don't even want to make a prediction but that's what you do. That's what I've been asked to do. Damn it. They're not going to turn them over, because surely not. I don't know, though. That bowling attack, Harris, Johnson, Siddle. It's going to be a, good, it's going to be a top series. Got Nathan Lyon to as well. I mean, two great bowling attacks. It's a, it's a treat of a series, isn't it? I mean, to come so soon. It, it's genuinely very exciting, the idea of Mitchell Johnson bowling at Amler and Smith and de Villiers. You'd imagine they're going to be better equipped to deal with him than England's batsmen were. But if he bowls like that, you know... I think they the, will find it difficult. And suddenly, yeah. you know, we've talked a lot about oh, this this era of batsmen. It's not that easy to say how great the best ones are. Is Hashim Amler a genuine great of the game, or is he just playing in a pretty weak era of bowlers? Well, you know, this is a pretty good litmus test for him, isn't it? If he gets on top of Mitchell Johnson the way that he's got on top of most other bowlers around the world, then you know, maybe you can say that he's a great. So there's some incredibly interesting subplots, yeah, as I well think... as an incredibly interesting plot. <laughs> It's yeah, like this, like this historical novel that I'm reading, Tony. No, just... Robert Harris, an officer and a spy. You know, you've got to take into account that it's in South Africa, so you know it will be in you know, that favours South Africa for obvious reasons. Also, hard to gauge kind of how Australia are going to come into this. You know, they they'll be buzzing, surely. You know, they'll be on top of the world, but winning that series uh, against against that series, <laughs> winning the Ashes as they did, uh, so convincingly, five nil, and in such a fashion that it was kind of. You know, they were sweating blood and all the business like that. Uh, you know, they might have knackered themselves, for all we know. Yeah, that's that's They could be completely, true, yeah. you know, they could completely just collapse. And Yeah, and also, as much as that bowling attack is frightening, I would still suggest that their batting might not be strong enough to beat South Africa. They, they beat England 5-0, as we know, but they did it despite regular top-order failures and Brad Haddon kept bailing them out. You know, you'd imagine that Dale Steyn and Vernon Flander won't be as forgiving as England's bowlers perhaps were. So, yeah, you'd say South Africa are still massive favourites, but it's a, it's a real mouth-watering series. But, yeah, it's over, Tone. It's finally over. Did you think this day would ever come? Well, I say that, match. there's still one more match yeah. to go, but, you know, we're not going to be talking about it again. Well, it's, you know, it's, I don't know what to say, really. It's a shame, in a way, that it's come to this. <laughs> but uh... You thirsty for more? <laughs> I don't think I am. I've, I've, I've had my fill. You know, fresh start and all that. Let's look forward to the summer. 
get some sun on our backs. <laughs> <laughs> you just mean weather-wise. <laughs> yeah. You're looking forward to the summer. Forget about the cricket. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it is miserable outside. It's yeah, horrendous. It's miserable, you know, on the TV as well when he's flicking on it. You'd be a, a real sucker for punishment if you wanted to see any more <laughs> England games at the moment, wouldn't you? You'd be mad. Yeah. Yeah, I think Vaughny tweeted something the other day, something like, just bring them home for f***'s sake. You've just been reading Twitter. I've just been reading Vaughn's got, Twitter. Got Twitter open <laughs> in one window, Tinder open in another. Settle in for your Friday night. There we go. Much like England's tour of Australia, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a long, remorseless trudge from one desperately depressing low point to another. As a result, it is unquestionably time to bring it to an end. Bring them home. Take us home. Uh, just before we do, though, I wanted to briefly mention two things. The first is that England's women won the Ashes this week. Uh, they won the solitary test match and they won enough of the limited overs games to retain the urn with two 2020s still to play. So they won both uh, back-to-back Ashes. Tony, they've really shown the men how to do it, haven't they? The other thing I wanted to mention is New Zealand, uh, who have just hammered India 4-0 in a one-day series. There was a tie in the third game of that, which was a remarkable match, but uh, but but only enough to force it into the closing <laughs> remarks of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but India couldn't couldn't come back, and yeah, they were beaten four 0 Ross Taylor, sensational form, scored hundreds in in both of those last games. Uh, I say, is it possible in our next pod that we cannot talk about England? I guess we won't need to mention them, will we? No, there's there's all sorts to mention. Well, perhaps we could talk about uh, New Zealand because they're going to be playing a Test series against India. Uh, we had a tweet from a listener by the name of Paul Evernet who said, Forget the England disaster. The Black Caps are stuffing India and deserve a match report. Best New Zealand team I've ever seen. Wow. Well, Which is very possibly true and it's an extraordinary result for them. Bear in mind that India won the Champions Trophy last year and it was like, well, they're clearly by far the best team in the world. They're winning in all conditions now. Shikhar Dewan was dropped in this series and they got hammered 4-0 and they lost in South Africa as well. So, you know, things change. And yeah, New Zealand top of the world so that that could be quite an interesting test series actually bizarrely as well sky sports were boasting yesterday or the day before about their new or their kind of the, the things they've secured rights to was this on twitter that you saw this well they tweeted it like everything <laughs> but they, uh, yeah they also uh, yeah so yeah i saw it let's just put it that way saw it on tinder uh, yeah it was all over tinder <laughs> uh you know whilst sky sports has lost some some pretty big rights recently you know a lot of the football's gone to to bt they have got all cricket that's happening in New Zealand for like the next 10 years. Yeah, which, you know, if you're a Kiwi, move to England. You know, <laughs> this is your chance. Come watch, you can watch it all. Well, yeah, or we'll just stay in no, New Zealand. Like, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. have to watch it in the middle True. of the night. <laughs> yeah, just, but it was bizarre. They were like, you can watch all, you know, all of the cricket in New Zealand, including England tours in 2021 and 2023. <laughs> I did that. see that tweet. Really actually. bizarre. Yeah. And they're going to be showing every New Zealand test series. Yeah, so we've lost the Champions League coverage, but don't worry. New Zealand v West Indies in 2019 <laughs> will be exclusively live on Sky Sports. Don't cancel your subscriptions just yet. Oh, well, anyway, that's about it for the show this week. Thanks for pitching in tonight, Tone. Thanks. Uh, you're off skiing tomorrow, aren't you? Snowboarding. Oh, yeah, sorry, that's yeah. true. Sorry. I'm sorry for saying skiing. <laughs> don't worry. Because, uh, yeah, you're a snowboarder because you think that makes you cool. Yeah, well, they never made a video game called Cool Skiers, did they? <laughs> skiing Kids. Exactly. No, 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 it's no, just, just... 1080 degrees skiing. Skiing tricky. I grew up watching my friend Henry play SSX tricky on his own. 
just endlessly. Lot of education. He was... would not let me play. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'll be gone for a week, but I'll be back. Don't despair. Is this a last-minute push to get yourself in the Winter Olympics squad? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually. Yeah. So I'm not you sure that's how I'm going. So it's a little place called Sochi. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. So you're going to be away next week. So we're not going to do an episode next week. So it'll be uh, yeah a couple of weeks before we're back. When are we going to do our review of the year? Tony? This <laughs> Good question. I think we should do it in like August. Yeah, perhaps we should just change the, change the calendar. Well, it's Chinese New Year the other day, so perfect. Yeah, except we're not doing an episode next week. <laughs> yeah, so. true. We'll yeah. find so there'll be a New Year in some calendar that we can latch onto. Don't know Polynesian New Year. I think is there a Polynesian year? I still kind of operate on the academic year though. Yeah. So you know, really, the year ends in July, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Kind of prize giving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that. I mean. Did you ever get invited to prize giving? Oh, just to come move for prizes. You had to come and uh, you had to come and hand out the drinks. <laughs> I said it before. From this year, uh, there will be a cup named after me that will be given to. Is that actually happening? Yeah, that will be given to a overachieving kid at my old school. The Tony Kerr Award. Tony Kerr. I don't know what it's going to be called. The Tony Kerr Cup. The Tony Kerr Shield for cricket. This for. Is excelling in cricket that's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> i'm gonna buy the biggest piece of silverware i can lay my hands on uh, we we'll have to get some we'll pictures get, of that we'll yeah. have to get whoever wins that on the show yeah definitely <laughs> some 17 year old comes on just really confused yeah, like, like, who we are. yeah should we do a quick quiz update time before no, we go i really need to go second week of the quiz second week of our come six on, week quiz up, we didn't do we didn't do as well this this week did we we didn't get it Nearly as close this week. Oh, we're only two points off, weren't we? Yeah, but... But that was a big two points. There are about six teams above us. Uh, (laughs) It was bunched. Which is very disappointing, but we're still in the hunt for the overall prize, so we're going to have to go next week, but obviously you're skiing, so you won't be there, and that should be a real boost to us, because we'll we'll rotate in someone else with a bit more knowledge. Yeah, So, uh, so. so. So presumably we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be a bit richer next week, or I'll be a bit richer by the next time we record. Well, best of luck. You'll need it. Oh, thanks, mate. Well, yeah, stay in school, everybody. Uh, enjoy skiing, Tone, or snowboarding, Cheers, mate. I should say. Cheers, mate. Uh, I'll just be here. Just trudging. Going to work. The drudgery of everyday life. See you soon, everybody. Bye for now. Yeah. It happens to us all. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.